Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor of this church. Today is Monday, Thursday. It is Holy Week. It is time for Christians everywhere to remember the final acts, the final moments of Jesus's earthly life before he mounted the hard wood of the cross on our behalf. I am delighted that you have decided to join us this evening for our Monday, Thursday online service. I want to let you know there's a bulletin for this service. You can access it through one of the links in the video description. Uh, that bulletin will contain our scriptures, prayers, hymn, all that sort of good, important information. We'll be praying a lot tonight, and if it's helpful for you to, to see the words, to read over them as I say them, um, it might be helpful for you to uh, pull that up at this point. Uh, since the beginning of Christianity... Churches have gathered together for Monday Thursday to remember Jesus' final night with his friends for the breaking of bread, the sharing of the cup, the washing of feet. And that's what we're here to do tonight, is to remember, but also to anticipate what it means to think both backwards and forwards about the already and the not yet. So with that, I encourage you to find a comfortable posture for a moment as we pray silently and prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Almighty Father, whose dear Son on the night before he suffered instituted the sacrament of his body and his blood, mercifully grant that we, that we might rejoice in the knowledge that even Judas feasted at the table, even Judas had his feet washed, and therefore there is space for every single one of us, no matter what we've done or what we've left undone. Thank you, Lord, for doing what we never could do for ourselves. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We've been going through a long sermon series here at the church, uh, and we're continuing that through Holy Week by looking at psalms that show up in the Gospels. We've been calling it the Jesus Prayer Book. Well, tonight we're going to be looking at Psalm 41, verses 4 through 10, and John 13, 1 and 12 through 20. 
where we can see how Jesus used the psalm to see and understand and proclaim what he was going through. So hear now God's holy word. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies wonder in malice when I die, and my name will perish. And when they come to see me, they utter empty words while their hearts gather mischief. When they go out, they tell it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They think that a deadly thing has fastened on me, that I will not rise again from where I lie. Even my bosom friend in whom I trusted, who ate of my bread, has lifted the heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me. Raise me up that I may repay them. And now from John Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from his world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. After he washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but it is to fulfill the scripture, the one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly, I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn tonight comes from United Methodist Hymnal, hymn number 156. I love to tell the story. Uh, Please join me now over at the drums as I play and sing I love to tell the story. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in our online bulletin. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. It 
He loved them till the end. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The first time I ever participated in a foot washing service, it happened when I was an adult. I never had the privilege of, of experiencing one as, as a kid, even though I grew up in the church. It happened on a mission trip. I was one of the adult volunteers leading a, a group of middle schoolers on a mission trip for a whole week. We've spent, we'd spent all this time working on people's homes, and we had been doing simple repair work and painting and all that sort of stuff. And every night we had had worship, and the adults took turns leading worship, offering these brief homilies. And on the final evening, there was going to be a foot washing. So we gathered in this large space, and we, we had these basins set up with chairs next to them. And, and we explained to all the youth on this trip, these middle schoolers, that um, on Jesus' final night, according to the Gospel of John, not only did he share bread and cup with them, but he also washed their feet and commanded them to wash one another's feet. And that's exactly what we were planning to do. So we explained that this was you know, probably going to be a little uncomfortable, but it was all part and parcel with what it means to be a faithful Christian. So we kind of went through the, the in and outs about what this would look like. We, we dimmed the lights, we, we put on some music, and we told them that the time was theirs. For if any of them felt called to wash someone else's feet, to stand and go ask them if, if, they, if, they, would wa- if they would have their feet washed. Now, of course, this is an awkward moment. It's kind of like a middle school dance because you never really know what's going to happen. And it's even more awkward because it's so intimate with the washing of feet. So all the adults, we sort of stepped back and we waited for these middle schoolers to, to take seriously what we had shared with them. And of course, for the first two minutes, which felt like an eternity, nothing happened. Not a single thing. But then a young girl stood up. This young girl and I had been working together uh, throughout the week, and she had been bullied by this one boy so horribly the whole time. I mean, I had to pull this boy aside so many times to help redirect him and and show him how how hurtful he had been. And when I saw her stand up, I figured she was going to go find one of her best friends or find somebody from her own church. But no, she went right to that boy who had bullied her all week. And with tears in her eyes and tears in his eyes, she said to him, may I wash your feet? And she did. Now, I have no idea how many people are joining us for worship tonight or how many will watch and watch or listen to the service later. Chances are there aren't that many. And that's fine. It's fine because there weren't a lot of people at the first Monday, Thursday service either. So we can rest in that strange and good knowledge tonight because we are where we should be. We, like those first disciples, have been gathered by God to be here, to hear what God has to say, and to be cleansed and changed forever. We call this Monday Thursday. The name comes to us from the gospel according to John when Jesus last feasted with his disciples before his crucifixion. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. In Latin, a new commandment is mandentum novum. Monde is simply the Middle English version of the word mandentum. It means that we're mandated to do what we are doing tonight. I don't know about you, but I don't really like being mandated to do anything. And Christianity has long suffered under the oppressive rule of expectations and assumptions of you must do this and you must do that. And all the musts don't muster up to a very lively faith. Because when the exhortative mode of Christianity becomes the predominant way we understand our faith, then the church merely joins the long list of other social endeavors seeking to make people better people. 
It tells us what we have to do instead of proclaiming what Jesus already did for us. Now, the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they treat us to the scene of Jesus' final evening with his friends as they sit around a table sharing bread and wine. John's gospel, however, it takes it one step further. While eating at the table, Jesus gets up. He takes off his outer robe, ties a towel around his waist, and he begins washing all of the disciples' feet, wipes them off with that towel that he has. Peter, of course, he objects to this humble, get it, humiliating act of his Lord, but Jesus hits him hard with, you don't know what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Now, only after the disciples' feet are washed does Jesus rise and he begins to teach them. Listen, you you call me teacher and Lord, which is good and fine because that's what I am, but check this out. If I, your Lord and teacher, am willing to get down on the floor and wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. This is what the kingdom of God is all about, the first being last, the last being first. Things are getting flipped upside down right here, right now. And I do and say all of this knowing that one of you is about to betray me. It is to fulfill the scripture, the one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Shortly thereafter, Judas leaves and sets in motion the world turned upside down. In mere hours, the guards will arrive in the garden. Jesus will be arrested. He will be put on trial, sentenced, beaten, and left to die on a cross. The foot washing has always been a little strange and a little weird to the people called church. For one thing, as I mentioned, the other gospels don't include it. And for another, it reveals the heart of God in a way that can leave us feeling rather uncomfortable. Not only does Jesus, God in the flesh, get down on his knees to wash the dirty feet of the disciples, one of whom will shortly betray him, another who will deny him, and the rest will leave him hanging on a cross, but then Jesus has the gall to command these would-be disciples to do the same for each other. Yet, in a way, more than being told what we're supposed to do, the whole message of this final moment is, again, it's about what Jesus does for us. But we, we, we can't help ourselves from reasserting the narrative to make it about what we have to do. But whatever we do in response, it is only ever possible because of what Jesus does first. We always want to know what we have to do to get saved, when in fact this story is a ringing reminder that the gospel tells us how Jesus saves us. Or... I love how Philip Carey puts it. He says, The gospel doesn't tell us to believe, it gives us Christ to believe in. In the foot washing, Jesus repeats in himself the great lengths to which God was willing to go for a people undeserving, how far God was willing to go to wash us clean from our transgressions. It's because it's this moment, this moment that might make us cringe or at the very least furrow our brow, it reveals to the disciples and to us that the Lord, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, is about to suffer and die just to rid us of the stench of dirt and of sin and of death that has latched onto us. Therefore, before we, before we jump to any commandments, what we have to do, to any thoughts of what we're required to do, we do well to rest in the bewildering knowledge that the foot washing is a parable of God's humiliation. 
I mean, notice Jesus lays down his garments just like he will lay down his life. Jesus offers grace to his betrayer just like he will extend forgiveness even from the cross. And notably, this is the final act of Jesus toward his disciples before the cross, before Easter. And as John so wonderfully notes, Jesus loved his disciples to the end. Including Judas. So do you see what this means? Even the worst stinker in the world, even the one who betrayed his Lord to death, is someone for whom Christ died. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, bewilderingly, loves us to the end. Loves us so much that he is willing to take our sin upon himself, mount the hard wood of the cross, and leave those sins there forever. We can save the cross for tomorrow. For now, we are tasked with the challenge of coming to grips with the fact that none of us, not a single one of us, is any better or any worse than the disciples were that first Monday, Thursday. Which is just another way of saying each and every one of us is in need of some cleansing. And thanks be to God, that's exactly what Christ offers us because he loves us to the end. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Friends, we have come together in these strange times and in this strange way to set forth praise to God Almighty, to hear God's holy word and to ask on behalf of ourselves and others, for those things that are necessary for our life and for our salvation. And so that we may prepare in ourselves the heart and the mind to worship God continually. We're going to pray for a moment, whether silently or aloud, with penitent and obedient hearts, confessing our sins, recognizing that we are no better, nor are we no worse than those first disciples were, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. So I encourage you now for a few moments of silence to earnestly and truly confess your sins, silently or aloud, however you see fit, owning up to the condition of your condition, of who it is that we really are and how desperately we are in need of someone who can clean us. Let's pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we've done, by what we've left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Now hear the good news. 
Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Not before, not after, while we were yet sinners. And that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Monday Thursday service, it always ends in a rather confusing way. Rather than having some big song and a benediction and following the light of Christ out, we end Monday Thursday by striking the altar. We remove from the sanctuary all hints of color and of joy and even of hope in recognition that tomorrow is Good Friday. Tomorrow is when Jesus mounts the hard wood of the cross for you and for me and for the world. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to take the color here out of the altar area of our sanctuary. I encourage you to use this time of silence to think again about who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what it means for you and for me and for everyone else. After I've removed everything from the altar area, the service will end in silence. We will see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock for our Good Friday worship.